Thank you for joining me for another episode of my podcast, USNA Mid Moms and More, based on my book, A USNA Mom's Journal, Plebe Summer Through Commissioning and Beyond Everything You Need to Know. The book is available exclusively at the Mid Store and on my Etsy shop. Find out more information on my website, USNA Mid Moms and More.org. On my website, you'll also find my blog with helpful posts, a link to my podcast, and a link to my Etsy shop with my creatively handmade items that help us show our Navy spirit. My podcast, my blog, and my book are a labor of love, and your support is appreciated. I am so, so, so excited to have Elaine Bry, author of Be Safe, Love Mom person that always gives back. She is on her 17th deployment with her four children who are all in the military. One of my key mentors uh, during plebe year and actually throughout our years at the Naval Academy and even after. And she's kind of been my security blanket and she's my security blanket as we speak. So I'd like for her to introduce herself. So Elaine, Welcome to my podcast, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. We did record a previous podcast episode. It's episode seven, Embrace the Suck and Other Words of Wisdom, which was so much fun. And so I'm looking forward to our conversation, Elaine Bry. Well, it's really nice to be here with you and go back to my years as a Naval Academy mama. I had a child at the Naval Academy starting in 2001 until 2009 when my daughter graduated. So I'm the parent of three grads, 05, 07, 09. And then I have a son who decided to take a different pathway to service and he's an army uh, helicopter pilot. So our oldest son, Eric, began at Navy in the summer of 2001 and he service-selected Marines, and he recently retired as a Marine aviator. However, he hasn't really retired because he's flying with the aggressor squadron now. So he's got a Russian name tag and flies an airplane with a red star. Um, our son, Jordan, is an NFO, and um, he uh, is currently deployed. This will be, well, this is my 17th deployment with all four kids. That's amazing. Um, our daughter cross-commissioned to the Air Force Academy, did an exchange at the Air Force Academy and ended up meeting her husband. Um, she also wanted to try and fly. The eye standards were different. She wasn't able to do that, but she's essentially active duty engineer in the Air Force Reserves doing all kinds of space stuff that I don't really know what it is. And then Brendan, um, the rebel, as I said, fly Chinooks. So my time at the Naval Academy, I became very involved with first supporting parents on the listserv. And then we started Facebook groups and Facebook pages. And so there are many, many parents who know me simply as Mama Bry. From that, actually, it was a Naval Academy parent who encouraged me to write my book, Be Safe, Love Mom. And now I spend a lot of time supporting parents of active duty service members all over the world. So that's basically my story. 
No, and thank you so much for your for your work, both as a Naval Academy parent and mentor. And of course, now you continue to to give back and to help parents of, of those that are deployed. So thank you so much. And of course, your book, so instrumental for me, especially I reread it when my oldest deployed. And I actually attended uh, one of your, I think it was maybe your first or second uh, retreat that you used to host for Mm -hmm. military moms. And that was life-changing for me. So I mentioned that you've been kind of my security blanket. You held our hands, the the plebe class of 17 and 20, and you've become someone that I can lean on for advice throughout the journey. There's a, a question that I need an infallible answer to, I turn to Elaine. When they're at the Naval Academy or any of the military academies, you know, they're behind the four walls, they're going to class, you know where they are. But then once they go out in the fleet and once they deploy, you don't know where they are. And they're not the safety of those four walls. So in your book, Be Safe, Love Mom, you tell your story as a military mom with children and with family members that are deployed. In a a recent deployment of one of my children, I found myself going through the feelings of plebe summer and of first year as you're leaving the academy. And of course, the feeling of uncertainty as you join the fleet. And I, I think these are feelings that kind of keep coming back through the journey. And I thought, you know what, this would be a good time to speak to Elaine about deployments and what parents can do when their kids deploy. So here we are. And you, as you mentioned, are on your 17th deployment. But if you can think back to the time of your kid's first deployment, what was the hardest thing that you had to come to terms with? And and how did you deal with that? Well, I think think deployments are a lot like um, labor and delivery, just because you've been through it before. It doesn't mean that you don't have some of the same feelings and emotions and um, pain that comes with that. And so you're everything about adjusting to military life is about finding your bearings and finding your balance. And plebe summer is a time when it's very disjointed. You don't know what to expect. You don't know how your child is going to react and you're not in communication Uh and that's all true for a deployment which is why i always used to counsel parents to look at those times as training to learn how to live without communication to learn how to not know what they were doing or how they were spending their day or what they had for dinner deployments they're all different but they all kind of revolve around the same thing they're being sent somewhere where there's a need we don't necessarily know the need mm-hmm. and that gives an element of disorientation. We don't have any idea of how, what to expect in terms of communication. Mm-hmm. And in many times it's much less than what we're used to. And then we have the added component of them possibly being in harm's way. And mm-hmm. certainly a number of my kids deployments were in Afghanistan and were in places where I didn't even know where they were. And so that adds a whole other component to it. So learning how to cope with the not knowing is a huge part of a deployment. And that is something that 
you have to learn to cultivate. There's no other way to do it because you cannot know everything you want to know. It's like um, having your kids at plebe summer on steroids because the stakes are much higher. And so we have to learn to live with that. And then depending on where they are, if they're married, if they have children, there's so many other layers to it. So it is definitely just not a normal day (laughs) when your child leaves for deployment. And that's where I coined the phrase about having your backpack full of rocks. Because when I have a kid deployed, it's like somebody added an extra 20 pounds to my backpack. You think it gets better the older they get, and then it it doesn't get better. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally relate with that. You mentioned about having to just learn how to cope. So how did that first experience or how did the first few deployments help you learn to get you through the ones, the many others, you're on your 17th to come? One of my big things I always talk about is your toolkit. What is your toolkit for you to build your own personal strength and be somebody that your child can depend on? continue to be that person in their life. And then when they're deployed, that's the super jumbo toolkit. Because number one, you need to learn to adjust to the fact that you most likely will not hear from them as often. And even with today's technology, it depends what kind of deployment it is. But uh, several of my kids' deployments, I heard from them twice in six months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they, they just could not take the chance of alerting where they were. Mm. So what are the things you're going to do? You know, how are you going to find peace and be able to be calm without hearing from your son or daughter? And right now, as we're recording this, the, the war in Israel is beginning and, We have a lot of parents who are used to hearing from their children frequently that are not able to right now because communication will be shut down. You know, they don't want people being tracked as where they might be, all kinds of reasons. And, And especially for those of us who had kids deployed, and I say kids because they'll always be my kids, but my children deployed, for example, in Afghanistan, you know, they just couldn't pick up their cell phone and get on Facebook Messenger and call. So you have that element of lack of communication. Well, how are you going to cope with that? Uh What are you going to do if you feel stressed out because you haven't heard from them? What What are the things in your toolkit? And I have developed things that work for me. So for example, I typically take on a big project during a deployment. Um, I have uh, set goals for walking certain distances. I've walked, you know, 3,000 miles during one deployment. I, I will do things like that because I know that physical activity helps calm me. Um, I'm, I have planted a special garden because that is another strategy that I have that will make me feel more calm. Um, so I, I build things into my day 
that can compensate. Other things I do, I spend a lot more time reading the news than watching the news. Wow. A lot of what is reported is wrong or it is not 100% right. right. Um, or they might talk about something happening in a country and you have no idea what part of the country. So to me, that can cause more alarm. So I tend to stay off um, the news and get my news from a written format. So it's easier to digest. Um, now that I have grandchildren, um, my kids tell me they don't want care packages. They don't need care packages. So I will send my grandkids care packages. I will um, organize and send their unit care packages for uh, soldiers and Marines or sailors who don't get. So I have special things that I do along the way uh -huh. that help me cope with it. But the reality is you don't take a deep breath until you know they're back home. And I don't mean home at my house. I mean, boots on the ground in the United States. So right. it's just a different time. And so many of our friends and family don't understand that. So they will not have a clue as to why, you know, <laughs> you may have moments when you're more stressed out than others. And that's why it's so important to cultivate good friends who understand what this is like. Because right now, a lot of ships have turned around. A lot of people are being extended. They're not coming home yeah, because of what's going on in the world. And this is not the first time. I mean, I've been doing this since 2001. This is, we've had things like this before. It's part of what our children train and prepare for. So in our own way, we need to train and prepare as well. Yeah. And then that's what I tell um, plea parents is to take, and I learned this, of course, from you, to take plebe summer, plebe year, the years at the academy as training when there's no communication, when they're at, at their own trainings and they can't communicate because when they're out um, in the fleet, out in a deployment, um, it's, as you mentioned, it's very much the same thing. And then cultivating, as you mentioned, a battle buddy or battle buddies that you can lean on that understand your journey and that you can uh, talk to and uh, kind of uh, lean on, on each other. Um, so you mentioned you read the news, which I think is, is kind of a smart thing to do because then you digest it as you, as you want to um, and not to plug one thing or another, but what news sources do you uh, tend to go to, to read? Your um, I read, I'll read the Washington Post, I'll read New York Times, I read Foreign, Foreign Policy Magazine. Uh -huh. um, I will watch the World Vision, worldwide version of BBC, because from living overseas and, you know, just in my experience, they give a version that we don't always see. I stay away from pundits I stay away from talking heads because uh -huh. most of that's just opinion 
you know, for example, my husband works in South Korea a month on and a month off. So, you know, I'm, I'm tuned in to following what's going on in that part of Asia, but my kids have also deployed in Asia quite a bit. So I look for those kind of more um, academic sources as well, just to have a better understanding. Um, And one of the things, part of what I did, my husband flew in Afghanistan and I worked for a year as a teacher there. And I learned, you know, there's 54 provinces in Afghanistan and we would hear there's been a bombing and it could have been 2000 miles away from where my child was. And so I learned that it was important to understand more about where your children are than kind of this vague um, idea because it can trigger you, especially when it's not specific. So that's just one of my strategies and how I deal with it. And um, you also mentioned uh, about the communication and about how uh, they many times during deployment or most times during deployment, they don't really communicate uh, and it's more of a security issue, right? Sometimes family and friends want to know about our officers, where they're deployed, what they're doing. And of course, um, we may know, but my husband and I, we don't, we don't say, we don't tell. I'm, I'm not sure they're you know, somewhere east, west, and and we don't give specific information. So we hold information close. And how does that play into OPSEC, which is operational security? And why is it important? It can be very confusing for the average person to understand operational security. For example, when your kids are at the Naval Academy, Mm. you know, they're posting their pictures. If they're on a team or whatever, you know, they'll do press, they'll post things. They'll say what team they're on or information about them. And even once they're out in the fleet, you know, there can be pictures and squadron they're with or whatever. But I go back to World War II, loose lips sink ships. First of all, even if we know we are not supposed to share ports of call, we are not supposed to share troop movements, we are not supposed to share deployment dates um, and homecoming dates. And it gets a little muddy because if you look right now and look up um, an, an aircraft carrier or a unit, they will have a Facebook page mm-hmm. and they yeah. might be posting things on that Facebook page. So my personal rule of thumb is if the unit Facebook page posts that they just had a port of call in Rio, Uh I will say that because they put it out there. Now, I happen to also know that when they do that, they usually already have moved on somewhere else. And so there's a reason why they're doing that. Right. But I will never post information about what they're doing or where they're going or whatever. And the reason is we don't like to think about it, but there are all kinds of enemies Mm -hmm. that are trying to collect information. And it's not even the ones that we may think. And Mm -hmm. so it's our job to be circumspect. And when somebody asks, I lots of times will say, well, I don't know. Because I kind of go out of my way not to know. I, I right. do that on purpose. Um, 
And a few times I've said, you know, I'm not at liberty to share that. Even now with what my children do, I don't know a lot of what they do because I can't know what they do. I don't, and I don't have a need to know. And so I have good friends and we, you know, we might say, well, you know, he's heading on to a business trip in the fall. That's about as precise as it's going to get, because otherwise we don't want to do anything to undermine our sons and daughters. And, you know, a lot of people probably don't remember this, but I don't know if you remember it was right before my book came out in 2014 and ISIS posted a list of a hundred service members. Yes. Well, my daughter's very good friends, husband was on that list. Wow. And they had to move out of their brand new home. They had to move on to base because of this perceived threat. Uh-huh. So this is here. I mean, when I was a small child living in Germany, my grandparents got photos of us playing on the playground from the Russian embassy. Wow. And that was back when my dad was in the army in 1958. That stuff is real. So we have to be really careful that we don't give any information out that could potentially come back. And, you know, um, a lot of people got very complacent about ships. And then we had the attack on the USS Cole. Yeah. So it it's very important. And it's hard because when your kids are at an academy, they're kind of in between the military and in between college. And so there's more freedom and more publicity. But once they go active duty, you have to be very, very careful. And if your friends or family get offended, that's just the price you're going to have to pay because okay it's most important to keep them safe. That's what I was going to ask next. Is there a strategy for trying to not hurt your family's feelings? Because I mean, even though they're family and even though they know they went to the academy, they know they're serving, they really don't understand. So, you know, I used to get frustrated by people not understanding. And, you know, I, I mean, after so many years of having people ask me if everybody's going to be home for Christmas. I mean, that's happened twice in 24 years. The odds are not good. It's just not in my reality. Mm -hmm. And people still don't get it. And they don't understand that because we're not in a war that people are deploying. They don't understand the level of deployments that we have just to maintain a show of force and do all the things that need to be done to have a strong defense. And so I'll, I'll make a joke about it. I'll laugh and I'll just, you know, say, well, you know, we're just going to have Christmas in July this year, or I can't really tell you where they're going. I don't know where, I mean, right. Even when I'm talking with my daughter-in-law on the phone, we don't say that stuff Mm -hmm. to each other you know when we're face to face is about the it's sometimes like playing those word games on new york times you know okay well it's going to be before halloween but after labor day okay well that's about as close as i'm going to get if it's somebody who is close to you and is willing to learn you can say look i'm just not really allowed to say yeah and if if they get offended by it then 
So be it because yeah, I agree. We saw some family this weekend and they were asking, Oh, are any of your kids deploying? I I don't know. And if they are, I don't know when, Oh, where are they, where are they going to go? I have no clue. It's like, you really don't know. And I'm like, even if I did, I'm not going to (laughs) say, and they just, okay, okay. I get it. Fine. They'll have to understand, I guess, is the, the bottom line. And yes, uh, the priorities to keep our, our kids and their units and their fellow service members safe, right? Um, yeah. Thinking back to something you mentioned about different strategies that you have to deal with deployments. I always challenge parents with my plebe summer challenge, and it incorporates many of the things uh, that I learned from your advice as a seasoned military parent. And as you mentioned, you should have a toolkit. So this is like a smaller toolkit in a sense to help parents uh, cope with plebe summer, but it can also translate into deployment. So I ask parents to stay connected, to connect spiritually, physically, creatively with others and through service. And you've literally touched on all of those things as part of your strategy. So from your vast experience with deployments and just in the military in general, what are ways that parents can connect in a positive way to help them get through deployments? Whether it's with others or uh, for me, it's uh, one of the big things for me is connecting spiritually. It's in prayer. I pray unceasingly all day long. And that's one of the ways I cope and that gives me peace. And that's really, that's a really important piece of my strategy. It's why I'm always, as, as my oldest says, oh, mom's mom's knitting, somebody must be deployed, you know, every (laughs) stitch of prayer because I can sit and rest, but my hands are busy and it puts my mind at ease. Something that is a, Oh, you know, if, if you're raised in the Catholic faith, it's kind of like doing the rosary. It's just that repetitive motion and I can calm my brain. Um, And so that's a, a huge piece of it. Another big piece of it, like I said, for me is movement, whether you're a runner or I'm past those days, but something about walking away from my house and then coming back helps me a lot within the family. You know, like right now I have four grandchildren who are missing their daddy terribly. So I will, yesterday I was working on a Halloween costume. I have boxes to unpack because we just moved, but you know, I, I would rather make sure that that little girl has a special Halloween costume. So mm-hmm. I work on trying to support my daughter-in-law and, and my grandkids. And then I stay very busy with my Facebook page and, you know, working to support parents at large to find their inner strength and, mm-hmm. you know, is stay positive. And so that's my outreach. But I used to when we still lived in Ohio, I used to go to Blue Star Mothers. I was a president of the Naval Academy Parents Club, you know, ways to connect with other parents who get it. But everybody, if you look around, there's veterans in nursing homes who need to be visited. And actually, that's another place I find a lot of strength. If you read the stories of World War II and of course, my husband is a Vietnam vet. The The things that people went through then, uh-huh. those are ways that you can kind of bolster yourself because people have done hard things uh-huh. and we can do hard things too. Yes. But I do 
for the first couple days of the week, I do anticipate being somewhat in a funk because for me, it's, it's the pictures of the kids saying goodbye or whatever. How can you not be? And then when things happen in the world can heighten your concern. So you go back to those tools. What I learned in your retreat are still things that I, I do today. So I do thank you for those words of wisdom. Now for parents of officers that are deployed overseas or stationed overseas, is there any advice that you can give parents who are thinking of visiting their officers there? Because if they're stationed in Italy, I would love to go or Japan or other destinations. So what should parents keep in mind when they visit their officers? We were able to visit our son in Okinawa. I did get to meet our Navy son on a port call. But the first thing is deployments are not Monday through Friday and the weekends are off. Deployments are 24-7, seven days a week. And so the assumption that they're going to be able to take two weeks and be able to show you things and do things with you, in my experience, that is not a possibility. I mean, we flew to Okinawa and we were thrilled to get three days with our son. He was able to work that out. And we had to work around when they were going to be out on debt, when he would not be on call or whatever. So that is my number one thing. Talk to your son or daughter, find out what their expectation is of if they are even going to have any time off. I mean, I flew to Brazil for three days. It was worth it. But you take what you, take what you can get, Elaine. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's the number one thing. And it kind of goes back to that whole transition from being in college mm-hmm. to being on active duty. My army son was based in Hawaii and we had a terrible time figuring out a time where he could go visit him there and he wasn't even deployed, but they had such an active TDY requirements and they just had so many exercises and whatever. It was really hard just to visit him there. So that's my number one thing is what their schedule can handle. And if you want to plan to go and on the way back, spend two days with your son or daughter, that may be what you get, but I'm up for that. I'll do whatever it takes. So, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Yeah. I remember uh, when my oldest was deployed and we flew out to California and we got a few hours and that's about it. But I'd rather have a few hours and not have the few hours, you know? Right. So returning to this idea that it's difficult, especially the first deployment, the first few possibly, it's difficult because it's unknown. You don't know. Can you speak from your experience a little bit about the sayings that we hear? No news is good news because I clung to that throughout my kids' deployment. Um, I didn't want to hear anything because it's good news. And then also ignorance is bliss because I found out some things after the fact that I'm glad I didn't know, like you said. To me, those are words to live by. That's a mantra during a deployment. I mean, obviously, when they're doing things that um, people aren't supposed to know about, you know, we can't expect to know. And I just think assuming the positive is just better on your heart and your body than being constantly in fear. Uh And I guess that kind of touches into 
you know, some of those circumstances that can be really negative. Uh We live in a world where something happens, there's an accident, there's a mishap, whatever, the news will broadcast it, and we might hear about it. While I was helping parents at the academy, we had three different times when there was a tragedy involving a midshipman when a well-meaning parent notified the parents before they were officially notified. Oh, Lord. Uh, We have had situations where there have been accidents on an aircraft carrier and um, somehow the Facebook page announces it before the families are notified. Those are horror stories. And I have always determined that I don't ever want to be in that position of possibly saying something to somebody before they've been officially notified. And so once again, that no news is good news, hanging on to that. And I mean, personally, I have waited after news of an accident in Okinawa and waited for 24 hours to know that my son was okay. Wow. But my advice, if you Hmm. find yourself in that situation, is that you have got to stay quiet until hopefully your son or daughter can connect with you. It took 24 hours because they shut down communications because they were trying to keep anybody from finding out the wrong way. But then once you know to be still until there's an official notification, because that means the family's been notified and it can take 24, 48 hours sometimes for a family to be notified. So that's the other big thing. When you look at deployments, there can be things that happen. And the worst thing is when, and I see it in groups all the time online, somebody posts about, you know, there's something in the news about an accident, and then the chatter begins. And you have no idea who's there and who's listening and who might inadvertently find out. So that's something I I just cannot stress enough that remembering that even though we have social media and it's so tempting not to get involved when something does happen. And hopefully, hopefully you never have to deal with it. But I have seen it too many times. Yeah, that those are those are very important words that uh, sometimes our first instinct when the unthinkable happens is to reach out on social media, uh, post it or ask a question. And it's really best to hold back because you don't want the families to find out the wrong way. Even wow. something as innocent as asking for prayer. Yeah, yeah. That can be terrifying. Mm. If you hear there's something has happened with your son or daughter's squadron. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're waiting. Mm. And that's a piece of advice that I would give is no news is good news. And if there is bad news, don't contribute to spreading it. Thank you. And yes, that, that is uh, very important. Thank you for bringing that up, Elaine. Looking a little bit toward parents here at home as kids deploy or officers deploy, uh, what are some things we can do to support and encourage our officers from home? Uh, and you mentioned your your officers don't want care packages anymore. And it's, and it's funny because I think that is the case. When they're younger, they want the care packages. I have a friend who's on her sixth or seventh deployment. 
her husband's been a Marine for 16, 17 years. And the first thing he said when he went on his last deployment was like, don't send me any care packages. <laughs> so what, what are some things uh, that parents can do from home to encourage their officers? Even if they say no care packages, they're going to get one or two from me just because I want to do them. Okay. And so I own that. But it will be silly things at Christmas time. You know, I send a Charlie Brown Christmas tree to Afghanistan. It might be homemade cookies or, you know, those kind of things. Uh-huh. I always check to see if they have service members in their units who don't get anything. Eric was stationed in Okinawa and I was able to work with a local high school and we got 276 Christmas care packages for all the Marines. And um, he went down to the mail call and there was this huge pile of boxes and and the clerk said to him, who do you think you are? Santa Claus? He goes, no, that would be my mom. (laughs) Um, So I have done things like that. If they're on a ship, they don't get mail that often. And so depending on where they are, a lot of places have access to things. So I will do more fun things like that. I spend more time now, like I said, doing care packages and my grandkids. I used to go volunteer at the USO. And most everybody has a Red Cross in their community that has an outreach to military. So if you feel like you have the need to, you know, want to do something like that, you can find things. Or I know a lot of the veterans hospitals really, you know, they need socks. That's a big deal. So things like that, that kind of meet that need compared to when I used to send tons of care packages to them. So those are things that I do. And, you know, getting together with other parents, even if it's, if you have someone else that you know, getting together once a month or whatever, just to kind of sit and talk face to face. So, you know, you can just share and go through it together is very helpful. I have a good friend who's son is also deployed right now. And we were just commiserating how things always seem to happen when we have a kid deployed, which I mean, people may not think it's funny to laugh about it. But I mean, what's your choice? You know, you have to kind of, there's like an irony in there that if you don't laugh, sometimes you'll cry. So (laughs) I'd rather (laughs) curled up in the fetal position. So (laughs) having things to having things to look forward to. One thing is we still do wherever you know, the Army Navy game, we still look for ways to gather together, even if, even if we're all on a Zoom call. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's very cool. We'll, we'll share that. And of course, a Zoom call in my family for an Army Navy game gets pretty intense. So um, <laughs> I can only I can only imagine uh, and yeah. throw, in, throw in Air Force too. So <laughs> oh, yeah, well, so the big thing with that is, um, Whoever wakes up first dresses the kids in either Air Force or Navy. And so that's the big challenge every year is what will the kids be wearing? But now the kids are old enough to pick. So I would stay up all night and just dress them while they're still asleep. (laughs) Actually, I think that was done one year. (laughs) (laughs) See, woman after my own heart. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I remember uh, one time we had taken a collection for our son's ship for his department, because a lot of the guys in his department weren't getting care packages or letters. And so 
we took a collection through church and through my school. And we ended up sending four boxes. I think each box was like 80 pounds. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the, it got to the ship and the, 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 I call them kids, but my son sailors really, really appreciated it. And so I think it was like a month later, I said, okay, do you want us to send more stuff? He's like, mom, mom, we're still unpacking the boxes you sent. Yeah. <laughs> They're saying typically they don't have much room. No, so you can't, of course, you know, I'm the one who sent so many pairs of socks and underwear. My husband is still wearing underwear with the you know, M050 on it because <laughs> they all came back. So. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. And um, I don't know, talking about uh, my, my son, but my oldest, when he was surface warfare officer at the end of deployment, Sometimes on ships, they allow you to have a family member along to sail from a certain port back to home port. And that's called a tiger cruise for the newbies on the podcast. And the son or daughter can ask a parent to join them on the ship to return to port and you get to sleep on the ship and do all the ship things. So I was able to spend nine glorious days on my son's ship when they sailed back to San Diego after their deployment. Did you have the opportunity to do something like that? I know you went to Afghanistan. If you want to talk a little bit about that, we, I think we spoke about it in depth on the other podcast, but have you had the opportunity to do something similar? When Jordan was on the carrier, they had a friends and family day. So we got to spend the whole day on the carrier and we went out and they had, um, they did air operations and we literally were sitting on the deck like 50 feet from where the airplanes were landing. That's amazing. And everybody who is working in the deck, they all have a different colored t-shirt for what their job is and they call them the Skittles. So we got to do that mainly because um, it's hard to do a tiger cruise with a carrier because it's just so big. They can't accommodate another 3000 people on it. So we did get to do that. But I would do whatever you can do. And then I'm just going to throw this in there because I I have a strong opinion about it. Okay, homecomings. Uh If your son or daughter is single, and they don't have a significant other, and they want you to come by all means go. Uh But if they have a commitment (laughs) If they're married, make sure you're invited by both halves of the couple. Uh, I just have seen a lot of nightmare scenarios where parents insisting they want to be there at homecoming. And I mean, I remember when my dad deployed, coming home, reentry is reintegration is not easy. Not easy. If they need space, I say give them space. I don't need to see them literally walk off the airplane or walk off the ship to know they're okay. But I just am a big fan of supporting their, if they have a new family, supporting that in in the ways that they want it done. I mean, I've gotten to go to some and they're very cool. But on the other hand, the best part is that they're home. So I don't really have to be there to see it. That is very, very true. So Elaine, I just thank you so much for being here with me to impart your wisdom and your incredible experience with me and with other Navy parents and uh, fleet parents to be. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here, taking the time to be here with me. 
And I wanted to just leave the floor open for you in the event there's any other advice, I can open up the floor for you to do that right now. Well, I just think the biggest thing is I hope that you've all had the opportunity to at least visit on a day at a time other than I day or parents weekend that you've gotten to go to a football game or do some of those things. When I think back on those days, at the time, it seemed hard. And now it seems like a precious safe harbor where we knew our children were safe and they were learning and growing. And I count so many special friendships with so many parents through those days. So take advantage of it if you can, and then know that the world is going to get a lot bigger very quickly, and they are going to be very excited. They're Mm -hmm. ready to do what they've been training to do, and that's also an amazing thing to watch. So I just think of the things that my children have done, and I'm amazed. And so you have that to look forward to, even though there is an element of, of danger, but In my family, from the time they were little, there's been an element of danger that I'm finding more and more things out every day. You know, (laughs) who knew they were riding their bikes off the garage roof? You know, so (laughs) it's it's just part of what makes them intrepid and what makes them willing to take risks and want to serve. So I just wish you all the best. And I'm always out there on Facebook, on my Facebook page and Welcome to the bigger world. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Elaine. And we spoke about your book, uh, Be Safe, Love, Mom. Where can people buy your book? What is your website? What is the name of your Facebook page? So parents can look you up. You can find the book on Amazon or any online retailer. Barnes and Noble sometimes has it in stock, but they can order it for you. And it's on Audible, Kindle, print, of course. Uh, my Facebook page is Be Safe Love Mom Elaine Bry, and that's also the name of my website. And I have an Instagram too. So, what's your um, Instagram? The same thing, Be Safe Love Mom. Yeah, Be Safe Love Mom. Okay. So. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Elaine. And we always have to wrap up, of course, with uh, the final words of Go Navy. <laughs> You're going to make me say it, right? I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> you realize my mom and dad and my son were all in the army. Now, beat army. <laughs> all right. Well, we still love them all. <laughs> yes, yes. It's 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 a lot of fun.